Hi and welcome to the DMBA podcast where we share business confidence for designers. My name is Alan. I am a business designer and founder of the DMBA, a business school for designers. This is another mini MBA episode where I take one business concept, explain what it is and explain and talk about the relevancy of this concept for our work as designers. And today I'll talk about economies of scope and economies of scale. And judging by the episode's title, you can probably see that it has something to do with the size of our business or company. But before I dive in, I'd just like to announce that we have recently opened applications for the next DMBA program. So DMBA, for those who don't know, it's a six-week business course for designers. where we cover similar topics to the one covered in this podcast today. And we basically gain business confidence in a small group of 30 designers where we get the chance to practice these skills on uh, real-world case studies and get feedback from mentors. If that sounds interesting to you, you can learn more about the program at d.mba slash course and apply on d.mba slash apply. But now let's get back to the topic of this episode. And as I said before, we'll talk about economies of scale. So economies of scale might sound like something that's very complicated, but in reality, we are all already familiar with this concept from our daily life because we're already instinctively using it, uh, for example, when cooking. So we've all probably experienced that cooking pasta, cooking lunch for four people doesn't take four times as long as cooking pasta for just one person, right? So we know that cooking for more people is just more efficient. And the same can be applied to the world of business. And in business, the economies of scale basically describe any advantage of producing bigger quantities. So if we go back to our example of cooking pasta, um, if we say that, let's say, one portion of pasta uh, takes us 30 minutes to, to prepare and it costs $5. But if we prepare two portions, we would need only 10 additional minutes and let's say $3 worth of ingredients. So now per portion, right, our cost went down from 30 minutes to 20 minutes and from $5 to $4. In other words, the marginal cost of production or preparation of pasta has gone down. So by the way, marginal cost is a cost of creating, producing an additional unit of whatever it is that we are creating. Now, another example to explain this even further comes from manufacturing. So if you've ever tried to create a physical product, you probably had to talk to somebody who has a factory. And you've probably realized that the very expensive thing, the thing you have to, is the thing you have to pay up front. It's like the mold. Uh, But actually producing after you have the mold is way cheaper. For example, let's say that we want to create a product for which we need to pay uh, or for which we need to create a mold that costs $10,000, right? So that's an upfront fixed investment. And then the cost of actually creating and producing this uh, product, uh, so injecting the raw material, whether that's plastics or something else, so injecting that into a mold costs us, let's say it's only $2 per piece. So what does that mean? Well, it means that we, if we only produce and sell 1,000 pieces, then each product would cost us $12. Why? 
Well, because $10,000 upfront investment divided with 1,000 units is $10 per unit. And as we said before, each injection also costs us $2, so 10 plus 2 is 12. Now, on the other hand, if we can produce and sell, right, if we can find enough customers, if we can sell 10,000 pieces, the price per product is now only $3. Right, 10,000 pieces divided by $10,000, which was our upfront investment. And then we add this to, uh, and then we add $2 per each injection. We get to $3. As you can see, how producing more pieces in this case allows us to lower our price and be more competitive on the market, right? Because now we no longer need to charge $12 or more. We only need to charge three, uh, $3 or more to break even. So now you may also understand why almost every company is trying to get bigger. Economies of scale give you a competitive advantage. Larger companies can produce more efficiently, negotiate better prices, achieve higher profit margins, and hence invest more in future growth. Economies of scale work particularly well for technology companies. For example, for Facebook, right? For them, adding one more user is virtually free. There's no human labor involved in onboarding a new user um, and hosting costs of an additional user are almost negligible. Similar logic applies to Amazon. Adding one more product to their website is very cheap, especially if Amazon does not need to store this product in their warehouse and do the fulfillment because sometimes it's the outside um, sellers that only list their product on the Amazon website, but it's actually not being stored and then fulfilled directly by Amazon. So these type of businesses, we, we often say that they have zero marginal cost of production or reproduction. So as I said before, marginal cost is a, a cost of creating or selling an additional unit. And that's kind of a holy grail of businesses and a reason why investors love tech companies because technology companies lend themselves more um, nicely to this zero marginal cost of production. A particularly interesting and related phenomenon is called network effects. It happens when more users and customers lead to a better product or experience for everyone. For example, eBay inherently benefits from more sellers who in turn benefit from more buyers. So it makes sense for both sides to promote the service and onboard more users. So not only can products with network effects grow very fast and cheap, right? Because there's a lot of word of mouth. So again, we have close to zero marginal costs of adding a new user, but they also have a very defensible competitive advantage due to high switching costs. Because if most of my buyers are on a certain platform, why would I move my business elsewhere? And vice versa, if most of my potential sellers are already present somewhere, why would I go and buy something somewhere else? Especially if there's a lot of competition on this page, it usually means that this also uh, lowers the price of sellers. So just think how hard it is uh, or it would be to replace this type of businesses with strong network effects. So companies like Airbnb, eBay, Etsy, Amazon, or even Apple's App Store. But there's the flip side, right? Now we only talked about the positive side, so economies of scale, but there's also a thing called diseconomies of scale. Um, the first thing we have to say is that economies of scale don't work as great 
for service companies as they do for technology and hardware companies. Of course, you can scale a hairdressing saloon and achieve some productivity improvements, uh, but you're still bound by space, you know, by the space that you rented out where the customers come in. And you're also bound by time, you know, how long your um, shop is open and also the number of your employees. So yes, you can scale these things, but it's just not as elegant and leveraged as it is with hardware and software. But not only that, but at a certain scale, our marginal costs of production, so costs of creating additional units, they start going back up. For example, let's assume that we are organizing a dinner party and that we need to prepare food for 40 people. Now, we immediately realize that this is a different situation and that we won't be able to prepare this food alone. So what do we do? Well, we reach out to three more friends to help us out. But because our kitchen is so small, we get in each other's way and we need to take turns to use oven and kitchen stove and so on. So all of that results in longer preparation time than if just one or two people would be preparing the dinner. So that third and fourth friend actually triggered these economies of scale. Because of their involvement, the average cost of preparing a meal went up. This is really common in manufacturing. For example, let's say that our product is made out of two components and that one of the two components is made just much faster than the other one. So now if we would try to speed up the process to create more of these products, what would end up happening is that the the slow component, so to say, would start blocking us in our process. And we would get a huge pile or a backlog of the fast component waiting to be used with the slow component. And this could create in many different problems, but mostly, or what we're talking about today is we are getting the diseconomies of scale because by producing each additional unit, we are actually adding the cost because of the waiting time that we have to now wait for the slow component. Another reason for uh, diseconomies of scale is organizational reason. For example, top heavy companies. So in other words, companies with too many managers. So the problem we can have there is bureaucracy. And this results in lower productivity and hence higher average cost per unit. So higher, higher marginal cost. Another um, organization problem is duplication of effort, right? If you have too many employees and if our processes are not transparent, maybe different people in the same company are working on the same problem, right? Many design agencies are actually baited into these economies of scale because at a certain point, an agency can land a super interesting project, but they just don't have enough consultants available. So some of them decide to hire a few more consultants and a few projects like that, you know, a few baits like this, when you have a project where you're just missing one or two person, you try to hire somebody. And an agency has grown above its normal workload. So now we have to hire more salespeople, you know, to have enough projects for these uh, consultants. We have to get bigger offices, find a new IT person. And all of that results that our uh, processes are not ready for the size of the company. So we may have big communication and organizational problems resulting in these economies of scale. So as you can see, it is super important for a business to understand its limitations when it comes to economies of scale, especially what triggers put it over a threshold 
and lean to these economies of scale. And as we've seen, the usual suspects for that are organizational, technical, and supply factors. So now we covered economies of scale and this economies of scale, and it makes sense to also spend a few words on economies of scope. They're not as well covered in the business literature, but they're also very interesting for us. So business, uh, so economies of scope, if we bring it back to our pasta example, and if we look at what pasta companies or companies producing pasta and selling pasta products, what do they offer? Well, usually it's not just one type of pasta that they sell. They produce spaghetti, they produce penne, lasagna sheets, and maybe even um, pasta, field pasta like tortellini. Companies that, uh, I mean, the reason companies do that is because producing two goods or two types of goods reduces the overall marginal cost because usually you can utilize your maybe that's machines, robots, or whatever, you can utilize them better, and this decreases your marginal cost, which again makes it makes your whole overall business more efficient. Um, what also many design agencies, for example, do is that they decide to go into educational space. So what they do is when the consultants are not booked on projects, they can and they do prepare some educational materials. And these are then sold as books or maybe courses. And this means that we are more efficient with our consultant's time. So and now we can either sell this book uh, and our consulting projects at lower prices, right? Because we are more efficient and we're selling two types of products. So we can lower our prices and try to outcompete our competitors with that. Or we can keep prices as they are and just improve our profit margin and invest that somewhere else. Another really interesting example is Elon Musk's uh, Boring Company, which is basically a tunnel construction business. So what they do is they reuse the dirt, so the dirt that's created or waste that's created in the process of digging tunnels, and then they turn that dirt into a usable product, a brick. So bricks for building, for construction building. And as you can see, there are almost always ways to utilize economies of scope. It just takes a little bit of creativity. But as always, there are downsides, right? There are the ethics of economies of scale and scope. So the advantages of economies of scale and scope are so important that most companies and business leaders and managers do almost everything to maximize this benefit. And if you combine this advantage with investors lust their goal for continuous growth we have a perfect cocktail for questionable growth motives so we know that bigger is not always better especially if we try to optimize the benefit for the society at large and not just for the stockholders and owners of the company let's for example let's have a look at a few few things that are happening in our society are more shopping malls actually better for the society or is it good to have a healthy number of small independent shops? Another example is if you look at some really big companies when they're acquiring another companies, is, is acquiring another company with questionable ethics really a way to benefit from economies of scale? Or is keeping your brand story aligned with your mission better for the long term and better for the society? Yes, pursuing economies of scale is healthy for a business. As long as we can be aware of our organization's mission and critically ask ourselves, are we trying to get bigger just to get bigger? 
or because it will do good for our customers, suppliers, and all other stakeholders involved in our business model. I know that there is no easy answer, and it's not an easy question to answer, but if we at least start having these discussions in the boardrooms, we'll take a big first step towards a healthier business ecosystem. That's it. Uh, To recap, in this episode, we covered a lot. So now you should understand the concepts of economies of scale, economies of scope, marginal costs, network effects, and even diseconomies of scale. And if you enjoyed this episode, you may also enjoy the DMBA program. It's a cohort-based course where you gain business confidence in a group of uh, 30 designers. The next one starts on the September 27th. And to learn more about the course and to apply, head over to d.mba slash course. That's all in this episode. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.